0: SB Nation and Underdog Dynasty present the Underdog Podcast. Welcome to another edition of the Underdog Podcast on UnderdogDynasty.com, SB Nation's home for G5 football. As you all know. Spring practice is wrapping up for a number of teams. The Southern Miss Golden Eagles are one of those teams as they prepare to jump to the Sun Belt Conference later this year. Uh, I want to say hello and thank you to our guest this morning, and Southern Miss head football coach Will Hall. How are you doing today, sir?
1: Man, I'm doing great. Guys, really appreciate y'all having on having me on, and uh, we're doing good. We're going to be a much improved program. We've recruited well, and uh, going into year two, we're a lot more comfortable with our kids and our and our roster and uh, looking forward to continuing to build this thing.
0: <laughs> that's uh that's good to hear coach. And Eric, you know, I I've mentioned it to you before when we've talked about this Southern Miss team, but there's something very comforting about the, the voice of uh of this gentleman that's joining us today.
2: <laughs> no. Yeah. I know you've, uh, you've been a big fan of coach all since he's, he's uh, joined Southern Miss, obviously getting a chance to cover that final game uh, and then covering FIU here for SB nation, had a chance to cover that final game up in Hattiesburg and uh, got a chance to, you know, listen to a little bit of his post game presser so I I know the feeling. You know, obviously he's uh, got great things he's building there at Southern Miss and look forward to getting a chance to talk to him here in a few
0: absolutely and uh, without further ado coach we'll just kind of jump right into it in terms of what you've been building on the field I know you guys just wrapped up your spring game uh, a few days ago one of the storylines surrounding your team that everybody's very curious about is the uh, return to proper health for uh, quarterback Ty Keyes um, looks pretty good in that spring game but i very curious your take on his developments uh, since he's been able to bounce back from those injuries he mm-hmm. suffered last year
1: yeah, well, first off, you know, it, it makes me happy that my voice is to here, guys. You know, not everybody. Not everybody. I'm country, man. I'm Mississippi to the core. It is what it is. You know, I am who I am. I've embraced that my whole life. Uh, my dad was somewhat of a Mississippi legend. And uh, so it is what it is, you know. But as far as quarterbacks go, you guys know how we had to end the year, playing a lot of running backs and quarterback and doing the wildcat. We've recruited well at that position. We've got two young guys that had great springs. Ty Keith is one of those. He started four games for us and got hurt and had the red shirt Ty is a, a kid that had one of the most, you know prestigious high school careers in Mississippi history he won three state titles threw for over one hundred and fifty touchdowns, I believe. Just extremely talented young man that's a winner. He has that hit factor. He got better and better as spring went on. and our last two scrimmages, you can make the argument he was the best player on the field. Then we've got a young man named Zach Wilkie, who's the number one-rated quarterback in the state of Mississippi this year, highly recruited kid. He early enrolled, and uh, as you guys know, it's a long way from high school football to big-time college football and running a pro-style offense. So he was learning on the fly, but it puts him way ahead of where he would be. You can see the talent he has. He's also got that hit factor Was a multi-sport athlete. So we're going to be young at quarterback, but we're young and talented. And I would be—I would rather be young and talented than experienced and not talented. So we got to coach them up and continue to build this program. But we're excited about their development and the future of the program.
0: Coach you mentioned the uh, measures you took with all of the injuries to your quarterback room last year with the implementation of the wildcat or as uh, a lot of people like to call it the superback system I would really love for you to go back and, and talk about how you make that decision to go with the superback system after everything that happened at the end of last year and I, I'm just very curious how did uh you know how did that thought into your your mind to implement that kind of strategy
1: well you know we inherited situation, Eric, where you know, we only had we started the season with 62 scholarship players in at the Division One level. And you guys know you know, the, the scholarship cap number is 85. Well, it was a COVID year, so you could go over the cap. So we were playing teams that had between 95 and 100, 102 scholarship players, and we only had 62. And that was at the beginning of the year. We finished up the year in the 50s. So we were just extremely shorthanded and we wanted to implement our schemes and our systems because we wanted to lay the foundation for what this program is going to become in the future. But after we got past the halfway mark in the season, it just got to be a deal where we just didn't have enough bodies to play the number of snaps that it takes to play a college football game. And we just said, how can we reduce the total number of snaps in a game, not just offensively, but for our defense, for the kicking game, for everything. And we just kind of went back to our small college, high school roots. We put our athletes at quarterback. We're in Mississippi. You know, we're in Mississippi, lower Alabama, southeast Louisiana, Panhandle, Florida, this region. The best athlete plays quarterback a lot. So we had a lot of kids that had played quarterback in high school. And we milked the clock down to one second. We snapped it and tried to outnumber you in the run game and get one-on-one matchups and throw it to good wide outs. And we really reduced the number of total snaps in the kicking game for our defense. We probably reduced the total number of snaps played in the game by 35 snaps, which helped our kids. We just didn't have the kid. and we went to the UTSA and played a great football team they had and took them to the wire, and then we were able to win our last two games versus La Tech and FIU and kind of built some energy in this program moving forward. So, you know, everybody says desperate times call for desperate measures, and when your back's against the wall, that's when some of the greatest inventions and things have been, been done throughout the history of this great country. And it was good for us. Now, do we want to be that? No. Southern Miss is known for great quarterback play you know, from Brett Barb to Reggie Collier to Nick Mullins, and, and uh, you know, those guys on and on, Austin Davis, we want to get back to that. Uh, but it is something that we'll implement and keep in our package that you'll have to defend moving forward.
0: Coach, even with all that adversity that you mentioned, uh, I've noticed something about your leadership style in, in the time I've gotten to watch you coach, there is a lightheartedness that you kind of bring to the game. And you know, I'm sure some of your staff and uh, some of your players in the locker room will feel free to correct me on that at moments. But uh, I'm very curious. Where does your kind of philosophy on coaching this game come from in that regard?
1: Well, a lot from my dad. You know, like I said, my dad's the second winningest high school coach in Mississippi history. We moved around. My dad was a he was a program builder, but he was a people impactor. We would we would build a program, win, and then he would move and go to another area that was down. He never stayed anywhere. Because he, he wanted to build programs up, and I, was, I saw at an early age how winning in football, what it does to communities, what it does to morale, what it can do for kids, and how it can change their lives. So that was number one. Number two is, you know, by faith, and, and I, I just believe God puts us on this earth for a limited amount of time. I believe we impact everybody we come in contact with. You know Eric, I think your day is going to be better or worse from having talked to me today and mine's going to be better or worse from having talked to you. I don't think we get a choice in that, I think. I think that's going to naturally happen and I just believe why why waste a day? I, I, I when I'm dead and gone, I don't want anybody to ever say, "Boy, I tell you what, I ran into Will Hall and my day was worse because of it." And uh we're we're in Hattiesburg, Mississippi. Football matters. We're in the South, football matters. I didn't make it that way, but it's not changing anytime soon. And we inherited a tough situation. We knew that coming in. We know how to build programs. we built championship programs at way harder places than Southern Miss. And, uh, but it is a process. It does take time. And we believe wholeheartedly in where we're going and where we're headed. Um, I am an honest guy to a fault. A lot of people do interviews and – they do coach speak and don't tell you anything. That's not me. If you ask me something, I'm going to be honest. That's just the way I am, man. It just that's, I, I'm me and I'm me all the time. So
0: Hey, no better way to go through life. Uh, you mentioned kind of coming up and, and playing for your dad back in the day. Uh, one aspect of that I'm curious about was, uh, was your time in the indoor football league with the uh, Tupelo fire ants, I believe it was uh, curious about a, what was the, uh, what was the time like playing for your dad in that kind of environment? And uh, as we kind of see these spring pro leagues popping up everywhere, just curious what your take on uh, indoor football was during the era that you played.
1: So I just gotten done in North Alabama. I had my senior year. We were blessed to have a great uh, senior year. We, we won the conference, went to the semifinals. I won the Harlan Hills. so just kind of a storybook year. And dad had just taken over. He had retired from the Mississippi system. And he had just taken over the indoor arena league team in Tupelo. And he said, man, you know, if you want to keep playing? Because I didn't graduate until May. And and so he said, man, if you want to, you know, you're, you're staying in school. Tupelo was only an hour and a half from Florence, Alabama. So he said, if you want to drive over, we're going to practice twice a week and play once a week. You can Make a little money," he said. "I'll let you be the quarterback and run the offense." So it was an unbelievable experience. I was like Peyton Manning, man. I was the offensive coordinator and played quarterback. So we were no huddle. Uh, they had, they went two and twelve the year before. We went eight and six. So we improved them from two and twelve to eight and six, and we we actually led the league in scoring and led the league in rushing that year. So it was a great experience. Being with dad, flipping that program around and also kind of getting my feet wet. You know coaching right there right out of the
0: shoot trial by fire certainly no pun intended coach you mentioned your playing days at north alabama and uh for for those that don't know you were the recipient of the harlan hill trophy back in 2003 as uh the nation's top d2 player Threw for over 3,500 yards 30 touchdowns in 2003 um what does it mean now looking back on the progress that that north alabama program has made since going you know d1 back in 2017 or 2018 and just 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 seeing what the success the D2 level did to elevate that program to where it is today.
1: Yeah, so, you know, a lot of people don't realize this, but that crew that came in in my recruiting class, and there's some greats, man, like Lance Ancar, our strength coach here. Chip Long, who's the offensive coordinator at Georgia Tech, was in that class. Uh, uh, There's so many people that were in that class that are great high school coaches now, and are still in football and doing great things but when we came in mark Hudsmith had just taken over and una had fallen home hard times you know they had won all the championships under bobby wallace in the mid 90s and coach wallace had gone d1 and the program had kind of fallen on hard times year one we got there with coach hood uh we we, we won five games and then the next year, we went undefeated, won the conference, and brought UNA back. And they've really been rolling ever since then. You know, uh, they went on – you know, Coach Hud built the program back, was a perennial powerhouse. You know, then Terry Bowden took over and won a bunch of games. Then Bobby Wallace came back and won a bunch of games. And uh, then they transitioned to Division One, and it's just kind of kept it going. So, very proud. I know everybody that was in my class and a part of that. Is so proud of being the group that kind of brought a back, and and I'm a I'm a very proud North Alabama graduate. I love my time there.
0: No reason not to. I'm sure a lot of Lions fans would be proud to hear that, uh, Coach. A couple more questions for you. Um, obviously, you guys are jumping to the uh, Sun Belt prior to the start of this next season. How much does the jump from CUSA to the Sun Belt uh, happening a year earlier affect how you are approaching this season as a coach and as a motivator with your guys?
1: Uh, man, you know. I, I don't know that it changes a lot just because of where we're at in our program we're we're in a situation where we came in and totally blew a program up uh had to dig a new hole bring in dirt smooth it out lay a foundation make sure we went slow so there was no cracks in it so you know we're, we're we feel like our foundation's laid it's kind of time to start building a house on top of it So we're still in a situation here where we're focusing on us, not really who we're playing. So I don't know if it changes much for us with what we're doing now. For our fan base and for the future, I think it's huge because it is a regional conference, very old school, if you will, how conferences used to be. We'll play nine games this year that are in a four to four-and-a-half-hour drive from campus. And when you look at the Sunbelt West, You know, with us, Monroe, Lafayette, uh, Troy, South Isle, Arkansas State, and Texas State, and Southern Miss, we're all right here together. And, uh, you know, it'll be a bus league, if you will, where we can drive to our games outside of Texas State. So, fan base is excited. I think it'll be very good for building regional rivalries moving forward, which is what I think Group of Five really needs to try to get back to. You know, because when, when the conference explosion happened, you know, I don't think it, that matters for the Alabamas and Ohio States and all of those people because of the money and resources. But at the group of five level, I think getting back to regional rivalries, uh, I think that really can help with interest and fan bases and all that. So we're excited about, about it for the future for that.
0: One more question before I turn it over to Eric Henry here. You got – Liberty at home to open the season here, uh, given the, the progress that program has made, I'm just curious, your take, what is the number one biggest improvement you think your team needs to make between now and when you guys open the season on September 3rd in Hattiesburg?
1: Well, first off, I got great respect for Liberty. There's so much familiarity with that program, you know, the build of that program with Coach Freeze, Uh, You know, their defensive coordinator, Scott Simons, who just left and went to SMU, was my D coordinator at West Georgia. Their corners coach, Ricky Hundley, coached for me at West Georgia. Josh Aldridge, their D line coach, was on my staff at West Georgia. Sam Gregg, their offensive line coach, who we just hired, has been my OC for 14 years. Uh, You know, and and Jack Curtis, their co-DC there now, was the D coordinator at Tulane while I was OC. So... There's a lot of crossover and familiarity with them and got great respect for their program. Uh, they, they've won more games than Liberty's ever won. So they come in as a, in year four, as an established program. And, uh, we're, we're on year two of building a program. So it would be, it's going to be a huge game for us to see where we're at, to see, you know, how far away we are. We came here and have made no bones about what we're trying to do. We're trying to build the best group of five program in the country. We feel like Southern Miss has been that before. We think we can do that again with our resources and our fan base and location and history. Uh, We're a long way away from that right now, but we're moving forward as fast as we can. And that game will be a great measuring stick for us with how far away we are at the beginning of year two.
2: Coach, I'm going to jump in here and take my line of question. I, I want to piggyback off something that, uh, that you mentioned to Joe in terms of just where the roster was when you took over. And I, I just found it interesting, you know, a couple of teams, um, whether it's been in Conference USA or, or some of the smaller G, G5 leagues, have been in that scenario. When it comes to recruiting, you know, in, in last year and now in this recruiting cycle, Does that play a factor when you decide, hey, maybe I've got to go transfer heavy, maybe I've got to go JUCO heavy just to get some bodies in here, some guys who are experienced who can play immediately, and then as, you know, you get into year two and year three, maybe you can focus a little bit heavier on on the high schools. Is that kind of the approach you have to take when your roster is so depleted in terms of bodies?
1: Yeah, so the first thing is we could have, when we got here, we could have taken – scholarship from this recruiting class we just had and signed people in the summer and made our first year here better you know we could have taken 12 12 more guys and instead of 62 we'd have been at 74 and we'd have had more bodies and had a better first year but we would not have had the, the type of quality that we were able to get with this recruiting class we just had you know it was the number one portal class in group of five uh it was an unbelievable high school class so we just, we, we suffered early to, to build it the right way. And I'm very proud of how we stuck to our guns on that, even though that was very hard and it wasn't easy going through what we had to go through, but we're reaping the rewards of that now. As far as recruiting goes in today's day and age a group of five, I think our staff's got a huge advantage because we're a D2 staff, man. We're used to this. We've been recruiting out of the portal even before the portal was invented because, you know, used to, when you decided to transfer at the Division One level, you had to go down a level, you know. So, you know, over a six-year run at West Alabama and West Georgia, we put more people into the NFL than the University of Texas did because we, we lived this way. We were half and half high school and transfers, and that's kind of the approach we're taking here. We signed a great high school class. We signed a great portal class. The thing we want to focus on is getting back to what works at Southern Miss. And it's what's worked forever and ever at Southern Miss. And that's signing kids from our footprint. And when you look at what we've been able to do here, regional recruiting, we're in a great fertile location. Families understand what it means to play here. It matters when you're from that area to play here. And we've gotten back to that. And I really feel good about how we've improved the talent level, you know, moving forward, and how we'll continue to do to do it.
2: In case you're just joining us, we have Southern Miss head coach Will Hall on the line. Coach, I want to piggyback off that and ask you a specific question about the transfer portal. You're the you're the fourth head coach interview we've done this off season, and I, I wanted to ask each head coach this question. Just what are your general thoughts on the transfer portal as a coach of a Group of Five program? Obviously you know, it it does, for some programs, it does create a challenge in which the Power 5 schools come in, and you know, maybe you had a kid that went under-recruited out of high school, you build him up a couple years, and then, you know, for one reason or another, he goes to a Power 5. Just, what are your thoughts on the portal as a whole, and does that make it challenging as the head coach of a Group of 5 program?
1: Well, I think anytime you're a leader, there's always challenges, and so here's here's my deal, okay? I'm not a guy that When the cards are dealt, I don't pick up my hand and start complaining about my hand. I got to play my hand. I chose to play the game, the hand I get, the hand I got to play. So my my thing is this, Georgia and Alabama and those guys, they only have their guys for three years anyway. They've been doing it for years because they're – you know, they're going to play for three years and go pro. If we get this program really, really good, it's because we're going to have a lot of really good players, and they're either going to go pro or they're going to transfer and go to somewhere like Alabama and Ohio State. And I hope we're in that position because that means we got great players and we're winning. So, man, it's the way of the world. The Band-Aid's been ripped off. Uh, the, you know, the can's open. It is what it is. Uh, the goal is to get really good players, develop them during the time you have them, Teach them how to be a better man and a better person. And if they want to stay, let's stay. I've never been a person that wants to beg anybody to be a part of our program. If you don't believe in how we're doing it or you think there's better opportunities somewhere else, man, go for it. You know, that's that's, that's what's great about this country. You got options. And uh, we believe in the culture we're building. We think that's why it's been so attractive to kids. That's why we think we've been able to recruit well because the relationships we've developed for so many years and you know your players sell your program better than your coaches do. And we think our players have recruited well for us because the way we treat them. And we'll see how it goes moving forward.
2: I know Joe talked about the offensive side of the ball a little bit as far as the quarterback position and, and the superback. I'm going to go to the defensive side of the ball. You, you guys, you know, it went kind of a little bit under the radar. That you guys had a pretty solid defensive unit. Believe tops in conference USA and run defense. Uh, in, in excuse me, run defense allowed. Um, are, are excuse me, middle of the pack and run defense. There we go. I'm <laughs> driven over that number. But uh, my point is, I just want to talk about some of the guys you have re- returning, whether it's Hayes Maples or, you know, Malik Shorts, you know, Nate Brooks, uh, Central Latham. Talk about the fact that you guys, you had a year to build that defense and a year to kind of figure things out. And do you expect, and, you know, maybe enhanced play in year two, bringing back so many guys on the defensive side of the ball?
1: Yeah, you know, it was kind of under the radar. We only gave up. 30 defensive touchdowns in, a, in 12 games, okay? Well, seven of those were to Alabama. So in our other 11 games, we only gave up 23 defensive touchdowns. That's pretty strong in year one. Uh, you know, Southern Miss has been known for Nasty Bunch forever. we really embraced that and wanted to bring that back. Uh, you know, we built our program around defense and quarterback development. And, and so we feel like we took some great strides. We do, man. We got everybody on the back end back. We've got our linebackers back. Uh, we hit and really improved our talent level in the portal on the D-line. Uh, you know, some guys coming back that had great years. Like you said, Malik Shorts was an outstanding player for us last year. Jay Stanley at safety is another kid that had a great year and really came on in the year. he had. Y'all saw he had three turnovers forced in that first half. Uh, versus FIU Hayes Maples is a young man that's really taken his game to the next level uh you know Camp Morrell had a great year for us at star Eric Scott at corner really came on so we feel like you know we got a lot of guys back and then we recruited extremely well so now they're having to compete every day just to hold on to their starting spots which is what you want to get to
2: coach want to piggyback off that and and ask you a, a question How, as a coach, when you ask your kids to really buy in and and you go through the year you had last year, your kids face all the challenges. How comforting, how reassuring is it that, you know, you have receivers like Jason Brownlee, who are obviously very talented players, guys like Frank Gore, very talented players. And they're willing to make the sacrifice, whatever it is for the team, you know, going down the stretch and realizing, hey, you know, for a guy like Jason Brownlee, we don't have any quarterbacks left. You're going to have to, you know, catch passes from a running back. Or Frank Gore, or you're going to have to help us out and, and do this. As a coach, how encouraging is that that your your players are willing to make that sacrifice um, and, and really buy in?
1: It was great. You know, it was great. And, 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 you know, everybody that's a part of this program now, you know, what we tell our kids all the time, everybody that worked out this morning, okay, they – through really tough times or they chose to come here even but even in spite of those tough times. you know. So we've got people that are committed right now in our program. There was a lot of people that quit and left the program over the last two years when things were really hard. All right? But everybody that's here now, they made it through it and chose to stay or they chose to be recruited and signed here in spite of it. So we've got a lot of belief in our program right now We've got a lot of unselfishness that's what we preach every day and you know i I feel really good about like i said the foundation and culture we've laid we're doing extremely well in academics and 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 in all other facets we understand we've got to get results on the field that's what it is you know it doesn't matter what all, all good things we do and how we develop young men if we don't win i'll get fired we won't get to do it anymore all right so we've got to start winning we feel like we definitely are on track to
2: do that. Final two for you, coach, and we'll get you out of here. Of course, we our regular listeners of the podcast know we like to you know end things on somewhat of a lighthearted note. So, first question, coach. Obviously, with the transition to the Sun Belt, I had a chance to make the drive from South Florida up through uh, through the Panhandle to Hattiesburg to cover that final game, and you know was really impressed about the the game day atmosphere in Hattiesburg. Just wondering for the Sun Belt audience who you know probably have been to a, a game at Hattiesburg or two, but for those who haven't. Uh, just, you know, give me a little bit of insight on, on the game day atmosphere and what it's like, you know, if you, you're coming to coming to the Rock to watch a game in Hattiesburg.
1: Yeah, one thing that makes mm-hmm. Southern Miss so special and unique is the history and tradition. We've won forever and ever here, you know. I mean, we've played in 22 bowl games, won eight conference titles. We've got 125 players drafted from here, had 18 players play in the Super Bowl. So, you know, there, there's generation upon generation of Southern Miss fans that expect to win. Uh, so I tell people all the time, from a group of five standpoint, it's really hard to beat. You know, we had 23,000 fans here that day, I believe, versus FIU, and we were two and nine coming off a three and seven season. So it's real here. You know, when you get back to winning, you're going to have between 30 and 35,000 people at every home game. It's a real fan base that's passionate, and it goes back for generations and generations. So um, it matters here I've coached at several group of five places where you never get those type of fan bases and we're excited about how passionate they are we're excited about building it back and getting it back to where they can be proud of it again
2: yeah you hit the nail on the head there as far as the attendance and look at my notes here the attendance is twenty three three oh nine. coach the last one for you and we'll get you out of here again you know gonna keep it on, on a fun note and Joe knows this We'd like to uh, and things, but some of a food question. So I'm not going to ask you to pick one, but I'm going to ask if you could just elaborate on whether it is Florence, Alabama, Mississippi, of course, you being a Mississippi native, so your hometown or Hattiesburg or New Orleans. Uh, I'm not asking you to rank them, but just in terms of food choices, what have you enjoyed uh, from those three places?
1: All right, I'll just give you my three favorite places to eat in all three. How about that? That yeah, works. All right. all right, New Orleans, Katie's, and Mid-City. You can look it up. It's been on diners, drive-ins, and dives. It's classic New Orleans all the way. Phenomenal. It's just a little house in a corner in mid-city. All right. Uh, and I'm a foodie, man. Me and my wife, we, we 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 love local local food. In Hattiesburg, I would go Sully's. Okay, uh, great old country steakhouse. All right. And then in Florence, downtown Riccatoni's, unbelievable Italian. Right there in Florence, Alabama, uh, long time staple there. So those are three phenomenal places to eat if you're ever in uh, in in those three areas.
2: Joe, I'll send it back to you on this. You know that's the one thing that I talked about the most as far as making that drive after covering that game. The opportunity to to stop at a you know a few dives, a few you know just spots along the way, driving through the uh, the panhandle through through Alabama and up into Mississippi. Uh, definitely couldn't beat the eats through that route. So I get coach's thoughts on that. You know, I I know you're not getting much of that up there in Portland, right?
0: (laughs) I I have my ways. Anywhere you go in America, I feel like you can find a place called Sully's with something good that's deep fried. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh, all right uh coach thank you again so much for your time uh for those of you listening if you want to go ahead and uh subscribe on apple uh check us out on spotify as well i'm at joe underscore on twitter eric is at eric c henry underscore on twitter and i'll have plenty more uh, from the rest of the coaches in the Sun Belt, cosa and the american throughout the off season and uh, we're looking forward to bringing that to you happy football watching everybody we'll talk to you very soon